Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Daniel chapter 4. Verse 34 and 35, the last part of 34 says, His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to His will in the army of heaven. And among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain His hand. Or say to him, what have you done? It's time for the church to renew our understanding of who our God is. He rules over the nations. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon was confronted by God through the prophet Daniel. Daniel spoke, actually, God himself spoke, verse 31. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Father, we repent for having a low view of who you are. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the God who rules over the nations. Every person on the face of the earth will be accountable to you. All the kings of the earth will bow their knees to you. So, Father, let us rise up in the power of your spirit and proclaim your word as the prophets did before us. Give us your words, God, and we will speak them. Did you notice we changed the words on that song? (laughs) You didn't, huh? (laughs) Glory will cover the earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Michael pointed out that uh, that song uh, that is one of my favorites, ah, "Glory Will Cover the Earth." Uh, it's not exactly theologically correct. Is uh, one of the verses that it's based on is Isaiah six three, I believe. Uh, that actually says, and the glory of the Lord covers the earth like the waters cover the sea. And it's the knowledge of the glory of the Lord that will cover the earth. That's that's what is lacking. And since... What's that? Yeah. <laughs> and since, since we couldn't fit all of that in that phrase <laughs> it was it was better just to make the declaration of, of what is uh, so Bev we should probably change that on the on the the words to
it's uh, like the first line of the chorus, I think, uh, on that song. Hmm. So, um, I've been reading Andrew Murray for a while, and uh, he uh, he makes this statement a, a number of times, um, and, and I believe he's he's exactly right. That uh, he says, I believe there's a great want within the Church of Christ. We need more. We need more of God. We need more humble waiting upon God in our private prayer and worship and in our public services. God must take first place in everything. We must take time to wait upon God for God to take that first place within our souls. And and I think that really is a key for uh, changing the affections of our heart and for seeking first the kingdom in order that everything else might be added. Uh, I think there's a a real tendency in our generation to, to add all the things and then seek the kingdom. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm not pointing fingers at, at anybody but me in in that. Uh, it, it is in our our waiting upon God, where we are doing nothing but waiting upon Him. Where uh, our soul is redirected. That, that is one of one of the key ways that that we show the Lord his his worth in in our life is by by being willing to sit still before him even when we're not hearing anything and in our results-oriented culture, I think we have a tendency to to try waiting on the Lord. You know, for ten minutes, and <laughs> okay, I guess God's not going to say anything today. Um, well, our our soul needs more than that. Uh, and you know, uh, I'm I'm having to come to grips, and I think most of us are going to have to come to grips with being able to do less <laughs> than we used to be able to do. Because the Lord gave me a message a, a while back about the the need, uh, exactly what. Andrew Murray is saying here, uh, we we need more of God, and and there's really only one way to get more of God, and and that's to to be with God for the purpose of getting more of Him, <laughs> uh, and and that that requires that we're we're laying aside some some other things that that we would otherwise do. So you know, we we all have to just work through that, I think. Uh, but uh, Arnie, I, I think you you really heard uh, what the Lord was saying this morning, and uh, you know we we talked a little bit Wednesday night uh, about how you would like to be able to speak uh, into pastors. I, I think the Lord gave me a, a way for you to do that. Uh, 
I think I think the Lord would have you put together a message or two about um, the Christian heritage of our nation. And uh, our need to honor our founding fathers, as in the Ten Commandments, honoring our fathers and mothers. That, that's part of the intent of that. It's not just honoring our, our literal father and mother who bore us, but honoring those who have gone before us. And... Uh, you know, that verse, of, if the foundations be done away with, what will the righteous do? Uh, I believe if you put together uh, a message or two on that, uh, I think most of the pastors that I know would invite you to come and speak. And, and you can do it here first. You've, you've spoken on some of that, but I, I think if you can refine it, the most important things into one or two messages, I, I think there, there's a reason you've been pursuing that. And it's it's of, of value. Um, so. What I was kind of drawn to this week um, is the work of Jesus in the area of intercession. And and most of us are, are familiar with John 17. valuable to look at the whole chapter, but about the last third of the chapter is what Jesus specifically prayed for us. Because uh, he, I mean, this, these are key words that, that John records for us here. The, the last great prayer of Jesus before going off to Calvary and crucifixion and ultimate resurrection. And it's it's important that the last things recorded were were his prayer. <laughs> and you know, given the timing of what we see here in in the book of John and, and what we um, know of Jesus' prayer time in the Garden of Gethsemane, it, it seems pretty likely that this prayer uh, was prayed in the Garden where he was sweating drops of blood. The, the intensity of of his intercession. Um, so if if we want to start uh, and just look at um, what Jesus prayed for us, we would start in verse 20, and and I've got the Passion translation this morning. And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those 
who will one day believe in me through their message. And, and that includes us. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. For they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Father, I ask that you allow everyone that you have given to me to be with me where I am. Then they will see my full glory, the very splendor you have placed upon me, because you have loved me even before the beginning of time. You are my righteous Father, but the, the unbelieving world has never known you in the perfect way that I know you. And all those who believe in me also know that you have sent me. I have revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them so that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me. For your love will now live in them even as I live in them. So, Jesus is praying for something that, that we don't yet see. Right? Uh, yeah, we, we don't see uh, the church in, in the kind of unity that the Father and the Son live in. Because that's, that's, that's complete unity of, of heart, of spirit, of purpose, uh, of love toward one another. Uh, and and so you know, here, here we are 2,000 years later and, and we don't, don't yet see this <laughs> but we will because we, we should have no doubt that what Jesus prays is going to happen. Because the way Jesus describes the unity of himself and the Father in, in this prayer, and, and we, we know that to be true, uh, Anything that Jesus is praying is the will of the Father. He, he would never pray anything that, that was not in, in the Father's will. So, there's, there's something more glorious coming in the church than, than what we yet see. And we, we need to have faith for that. We, we need to understand that. Uh, we need to position ourselves to be part of the answer to that. And, and part of, of that is 
something that Jesus also says in this prayer to uh, to somehow grasp the fact that that Jesus loves you, Bill, in the same way that he loves Jesus. mind we just don't think that that is possible <laughs> or, or that it's truth because how could he <laughs> in, in our, our weakness our, our failure our lack of cooperation with <laughs> the spirit uh, our lack of uh, submission to the Father, all all those things. How how could it be? <laughs> and and that 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 really is the answer, Michael. How how could it not be? Because the Father's love, he he doesn't have a filter. And, and and really, for I think I can safely say all of us, uh, most of the love, well, I think I can safely say all of the love that, that we have experienced in, in our lives has, has been through a filter. Yeah, it's been conditional. It's been based on our response, our performance, yeah. And, and, yeah, the love of God is just not that way. It, it's just all flowing out to us. And, and we're, we're so used to uh, that the love we receive having a filter... I, I think we we develop our own filter for the love of God, and and when we mess up, when we uh, disobey, when we whatever, uh, we say, okay, the love of God must not be <laughs> completely with me right now, because if His love was my, like mine, it wouldn't be. Yeah, thank God it's not. And 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 that's somehow we got to get rid of our own filter. And and let the love of God in. And and so uh, I, I kind of wanted to talk a, about intercession today. Uh, because that is is one of the things that Jesus is occupied with right now, and uh, we we see that in Hebrews chapter seven, and and I'm going to read a passage from Hebrews seven. Uh, I'll start in verse eleven. Uh, I, I was going to start like in verse 22, but I kept going. <laughs> well, I, I kind of have to include that, and I have to include that. So uh, Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, or under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek? rather than one named after the order of Aaron. 
For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the, the one of whom these things are spoken belonged to another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar. And he's talking about Jesus here. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah and in connection with the tribe Moses said nothing about priests. Because there weren't any priests from the tribe of Judah. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. And that's 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 a key here. Because really what I want us to grasp today is that the, the Lord in his plan for the church is, is going to bring the church into fullness. There's going to be a bride who's made ready. And it is going to happen. Because and it's before he comes, and it's it's going to happen related to the power of this indestructible life that qualified Jesus to be the priest. So let me read that last verse again. Who became a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that was said of Jesus. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And that's the new covenant. And it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And so, so that is, that's the answer to Jesus' prayer in John 17. is that a people be saved to the uttermost. That is fullness. When, when you and I have been saved to the uttermost, there's nothing left to save. <laughs> there's, the, there's nothing of the old man left. The death that he died is is actually completely realized. And the life of Christ has come forth 
to to the point of possession because that that is the only way that John 17 can be fulfilled the prayer because because of, of the type of unity that that Jesus asked for for us it wasn't just that we would get along. It, it, it wasn't even just that we would love one another. Because he said that previously in, in John 15. If we abide in him. But, but no, he, he said that, that we would be one as he and the Father are one. And, and between him and the Father, there, there's nothing. There's, I mean, it, it's it's absolute, complete, utter, it oneness to the uttermost. <laughs> there, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's unqualified. Yeah. And and so. We're, we're given a little bit of a key here because uh, in verse 25 Jesus mentions something about who he is going to be able to save to the uttermost. And it's those who draw near to God through him. The, the true and singular high priest who always lives to make intercession for those who are drawing near to God through him. That, that means uh, if, if we do the easy part, and, and it's, it's always like this, with God. If we do the easy part, He does the hard part. We just draw near to God through Christ Jesus. And and we we keep ourselves from saying no. And and when we and when we do say no we change our mind back to yes. Because it does happen. And and his love never changes. In in the midst of our no, he knows that there's a yes coming. And in the midst of our true yes, he doesn't love us more. Because he can't. <laughs> it's, it's already fully there, fully flowing toward us. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he knows our hearts. And, and he he's he's the one managing our hearts. I, I love some of the lyrics on that new song that that we did today. That new wine, uh, and then the next line too. When I trust you, I don't need to understand because uh, we we just got to have. Faith in the wisdom of his ways. And if Christ Jesus learned obedience through suffering, can we expect to learn obedience in another way? <laughs> in an easier way. <laughs>
No, it was uh, the answer. So, um, so Jesus is always living to make intercession for those who are drawing near to God through him. And, you know, that that really, what I gave us in, in the beginning from Andrew Murray, that's the way that we draw near to God, through, through Jesus. We need more humble waiting upon God in our private prayer and worship and in our public services. We must take time to wait upon God for God to take first place in our souls. And we, we just do. Uh, Andrew Murray knew the way. <laughs> He's pointing us <laughs> to, to the way. And if we will take the way we know Jesus is there interceding for us and, and helping us. And uh, so Paul also was was one of these pillars of, of the early church who, who understood the importance of intercession. And, you know, intercession is one of those words that we, we all think we know the meaning of. So, I, I just thought I would look up the Greek word that's translated intercession. And, and this, this is what it means. To meet and talk with. And this is an interesting one. To fall in with. To make intercession for. To petition on behalf of others. Now usually when I've heard that phrase, to fall in with, it's, it's like talking about teenagers. Uh, not talking about present company. Uh, <laughs> but but they, yeah, they fall in with the wrong crowd and then we know what happens. Uh, bad company uh, corrupts good morals. Uh, yeah, so this <laughs> this is so intercession is like falling in with Jesus. Falling in with the right crowd. So, you know, my, my intent is to encourage us to the end that Jesus' prayer in John 17 will, will be fulfilled. And that that means we are continuing on toward fullness to be part of the answer to Jesus' prayer and, and to be fully possessed by Him. Romans 8, verse 11. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. It is the power of that indestructible life. That that life that is more powerful than anything else 
it can come in contact with, in, including your soul and mind. <laughs> and, and body, yeah. So, so anyway, going back to Paul's great prayer in Ephesians chapter 1. And, and this, it would be great if we all prayed this prayer for each other. Like every day. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. So he asks the Father for us to receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened that we may know what is the hope to which he has called us. And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? So, what what is that great hope to which, to which he has called us? Now, there's there's kind of a a standard theological answer, and. Uh, That is the return of Christ Jesus. Uh, that's that's our, our blessed hope. But I, I want to include a little more than that. <laughs> uh, Colossians 1, starting in verse 27. To them... God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And I think that's Paul's job description right there, verse 29. Well, 28 and 29. His, his whole life's desire was to present everyone mature in Christ. And for that, he toiled and struggled with all his energy. Now, he's not saying with all my energy, but with all his energy, that he works in me. Because he understood that 
great dependence. But Christ in you is the hope of glory. So I think that's got to be part of the hope to which he has called us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Because that's where we're going. And then uh, finally Titus chapter 2 starting in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So again, we kind of find both of those hopes in this one passage from Titus. Uh, Part of our blessed hope is the appearing of the Lord Jesus. But he's the one who gave himself to purify a people for his own possession. And uh, the raising up of those people as a possession is going to precede his appearing. At, at, at least, it's going to pre- precede his, his appearing as the one in the clouds <laughs> to, uh, to take us away. As many are saying that he's, he's coming to the church before he comes for the church. I believe he's he's got to release a little something <laughs> to help us along in, in this journey. So I, I don't doubt that that's going to happen. But I, I want to encourage us that we can have faith that, that the Lord is going to take us to, to fullness. To be a people who are His possession such that we are one in unity as He and the Father are one. And, and when, when the body of Christ worldwide becomes that, Then, then anything will be possible. I mean, it, it will be uh, the ultimate opposite of the Tower of Babel. <laughs> because it will be a people completely united in, in purpose and empowered by the Lord rather than the forces of darkness which was the whole thing with the Tower of Babel well the Lord the Lord had to yeah he, he had to divide them so they would <laughs> they would fail <laughs> So, 
who would like to pray over us? Father in heaven, we thank you for the prayers of our great high priest, Jesus, who intercedes on our behalf. We choose to draw near to you by the blood of Jesus. be part of the answer to Jesus' prayer for the church. I pray, Father, that you would help us to humble ourselves and and to wait on you and to fellowship with you daily. That you would Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ Jesus, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, and that we would know the hope to which you have called us and the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints. That your immeasurable greatness and power would strengthen our faith according to the working of your great might that is working in us and that worked in Christ when he was raised from the dead. Thank you that our great high priest is seated at your right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but in the age to come. Thank you that you've put all things under his feet and given him as head over all things to the church. May the church recognize him as head. Since we are his body and the fullness of him who fills all in all. And we give you thanks that your great power is at work in us for more for the glory of your Son. Amen. Uh, Arnie has something for us uh, from Dutch Sheets. I think his uh, reflections on the election is that Right. Um, there are enough copies of that, I think, for everybody to take one. Um, that we don't need one. <laughs> um, <clears throat> something else has happened this week that we need to be in prayer about. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, one of our Supreme Court justices, apparently fell in her office and broke three ribs. <clears throat> right. Um, you know, First Timothy chapter 2 tells us that we should be praying for those who are in authority. Um, and verse 4 it talks about God not wanting anyone to perish. As you say that in verse 4. I don't recall, but basically the idea is He wants all men to be saved. I think that's the phrase that He uses there. So we need to pray for this woman's salvation. She's 85 years old. She's increasingly frail. And her health is deteriorating. 
So I think her time on earth is uh, limited, and we need to pray for her salvation. We also need to pray that she, I believe, lives at least into the time when our new senators take office so that we have a sufficient majority to uh, fight another confirmation battle that will be coming whenever she does leave office. And, you know, as Dutch has said a number of times, we don't pray, we don't curse judges, you know, and, and ask that God kill them or anything of that sort. Um, I mean, he could do that. You know, I could die and I, I could be dead in a second. Okay, my heart could stop beating. I could have a pulmonary embolus. You know, there's all kinds of things. I could be dead before you leave this room. And I'm in pretty good health, I think. So God's in control of all those things. Okay? But we don't pray for those kinds of things to happen. We pray for their salvation. So, I just wanted to share that real quickly. Well, Father, we do lift up Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We ask, Father, for her salvation. Father, we ask that you would bring her face to face with who you really are. That she would know that she's going to spend eternity either with you or without you. Father, show her the ramifications for her choices. Father, we ask that you would deliver her from her thinking that we keep you or keep her from you. Father, we ask for her health. We ask that you would bless her body. As long as you want her to live on this earth, Father, we ask that you would strengthen her. Father, we do come against this giant of violence, of uh, rebellion, of defiance, lawlessness that is coming against this nation to cause all this violence to occur. Father, we ask that you would cause us to speak the truth in love and not to stir up hatred and violence and separation. God, we ask that you would enable us to respond in love rather than being so abrasive and so... Father, we just we want your peace to rule and reign in this nation. And we ask, God, that you rule, first of all, in our hearts. That your peace would rule. In Jesus' name. And Lord, would you, would you push back the powers of darkness? that are fostering violence and, and suppress uh, this violence in, in our nation. Lord, heal the division uh, in our nation. Uh, bring us as a nation uh, united under your vision for this nation's future. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. So Scott Neri is coming back into the region. He's going to be down at, in Loveland at Kavikas Church, Freedom and Joy, on the 15th, which is a Thursday. And then he's going to be spending Friday and Saturday down at the filling station in Wellington. And then Sunday morning he'll be up here with us at LCCC. The Pathfinder building. Anybody need prayer before we go today? 
Yeah, we can pray for joy. I have a terrible-looking rash on my leg, and I'm not sure exactly what caused it. And I went to the healing room yesterday. A lot of the sharp pain I had in my leg is gone now, but the the skin of my leg still looks frightful, so I won't show you that. So there's there's one scripture, and I'm not sure if it's one in Matthew, Mark, or what, but where Jesus went through all the towns in the region and healed all their diseases. And in one place, that word that's translated diseases actually means like skin diseases. And uh, somebody told me that once, and I had some terrible stuff going on in my face, and they. I went forward for prayer, and the woman said, I have faith that Jesus will heal you. No, that was um, Cindy Rethmeyer. And when she said she had faith, that's what I needed. I didn't have any faith at that point. Because things have been gradually getting worse and worse and worse. So from that moment, they got better. So I'm trusting God again.